0: Every year, seminarians um, are, are given summer assignments uh, this year. Uh, I know our parish, we're going to have uh, Ryan Thibodeau. I think he'll actually be moving in probably next week. Um, but he's one of our seminarians. Um, but every year, uh, you get a chance to, to get assigned at a parish under, under a priest to kind of shadow him, to kind of see what, you know, what the parish is like and just to kind of get a feel for it. Um, and I remember one year, I was at a parish in Thibodeau. Uh, and the pastor uh, just was kind of giving me a couple of little things he wanted me to focus on and a couple of little prayer groups and things like that he wanted to be sure that I'm, I met with and, and was involved with. One of them was a, uh, a, a women's Bible study that took place, I think, at like 9.30 on a Wednesday. Um, it was in the morning on a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Now, if, you, if you're wondering who goes to a women's Bible study at 9.30 on a Wednesday, um, it's all, the, it's all the ladies, right? It's all the hens of the parish, right? It's all the church ladies. Like, it's all the, it's all the people that, that spend their time and are focused on the parish that do amazing work, um, but that got all the gossip of all the world, right? Um, and it, it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to go and to kind of joke around with them and stuff. And I remember what we were doing was they were working through the Gospel of Matthew, and as they were going through the Gospel of Matthew, what they would do is they would take a chapter, they would read the chapter, they would talk about it a little bit, they would share kind of their reflections on the scripture, and then the next like 45 minutes was just talking about whatever. And it was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, we had a really good time. But because I was a seminarian, what they would do is, is oftentimes they would say what, what they thought, they would all kind of give like a little sharing about a word or a phrase or something like that from the chapter. They would just talk about a thing, and then they would look at me as the seminarian in the room, and be like, so what, what does it mean? Like, it's your turn to talk. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And then I would, I would share my little bit, right? Uh, my grandfather told me a long time ago, children are meant to be seen, not heard. So I would just sit back and watch and smile and uh-huh, uh-huh, until they would throw the spotlight on me. So was one day we were talking, and we got to the point in Matthew's Gospel that talks about divorce, and I remember, it was, it was Jesus' teaching about divorce, and it was where he said, um, in, in, the, in the old covenant, or it, Moses allowed you to divorce. Lo, Moses allowed you to write a bill of divorce and to divorce. But in the beginning, it was not so. And when he, Jesus says that, he's talking about in the beginning, it's a technical term, he's talking about Adam and Eve, he's talking about at the very beginning of creation, that marriage was meant to be an indissoluble covenant. And that's what they asked me. They shared all their thoughts. They kind of talked about the scripture a little bit, and then they looked at me. And I remember, I sat back, and I am like, for me, just so you know, like I've always, I've studied theology of the body for a very long time. Uh, The understanding of marriage and marriage and celibacy and how that plays in. There's a lot of beautiful kind of imagery and stuff there. I could get on that soapbox another time. But I remember when they threw it to me, I was waiting. I was like, ha ha, I got this one, I know the teaching on marriage, I know this kind of stuff, this is going to be great. And I just jumped in. I started talking about, oh, this is what marriage is meant to be, this is what Jesus is talking about, this is the technicality behind it, this is the beauty of it, da 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 da, all this kind of stuff. I gave this huge teaching, this whole kind of thing, like sermonizing on marriage, and I felt good about it, and I was like, great, done, drop the mic. And then I looked at a room full of ladies, and I said, any questions? And all of them were sitting there staring at me, and one raised her hand. And she looked at me and said, that's beautiful, but what about me? I said, what? That's beautiful. Everything you just said is great. It is there hope for me? Another lady raised her hand. Me too. Another lady raised her hand. shared about an abusive relationship. Now all of a sudden, a third of the room started they weren't gossiping about everybody else this, today. They were sharing about all their broken relationships and how they went through the, the hurt of divorce. And I cowered in the corner, not wanting to say another word. I remember I went, I went back to the rectory that day. I talked to the priest. I said, hey, this is what went on. I'm just letting you know because you might get a call or a letter or something. But we and him were talking and he shared with me, and he, I explained the situation. And he said, yeah, you know what you did? I said, nope, I have no clue. I don't know where it went wrong. I'm looking up in the Bible. I'm like, I didn't say anything wrong. I didn't do anything. Like, what, what, what went wrong? He looked at me and he said, you didn't take time to love them. But everything I said was true. He said, you didn't take time to love them. See, when Jesus is talking about in our gospel, both last week and this week, Jesus is going through his, he's at the Last Supper, and he's basically giving his last teaching to his disciples. And we know what the words are about. Last week he said, love others as I have loved you. Today he says, those who do my, who who believe in me, who follow me will do my will. They will do my commandments. They will follow through. Love has an action And if you don't, then you don't really love me. But Jesus is talking about the nature of love these last two weeks in our gospel. And one of the things about our world today is that the word love has been so deformed and so redefined that we have this broken understanding of what it means to truly love somebody. Love requires two things. Truth and charity. As a seminarian who's full of excitement and and had all the head knowledge and everything like that, I, I had a lot of truth in my mind when I was talking to this room of ladies who are breaking open the scriptures, I had a lot of truth in my mind, a lot of good facts about Jesus, a lot of good facts about the scriptures, a lot of good facts about marriage and the sacrament and all that beautiful kind of stuff. The problem was, is that the truth without compassion and mercy is deformed. And a couple of the ladies, especially that first lady that raised their hand, didn't feel loved She felt condemned. At the same time, I know we see that. We see that in the Christian world, right? The worldview, the kind of characterization that's out there of Christians is that we're overly conservative, we're angry, and we need to get with the times that we're condemning. That's not what Jesus wanted. But oftentimes it's because we rely on truth without compassion or mercy. On the flip side, the world offers a reaction to that. The world offers the other side of the coin, where instead of truth, we don't worry about that, and it's all compassion and all mercy and all quote-unquote love. So you do whatever you want to do, and as long as you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. And that's not good enough either, because as we hear in today's gospel, love requires an action Love requires us to follow the Lord. Love requires to us to do something. To do something good. And to turn away from bad. But for us as Christians, we're called to stand in this tension between, between truth and charity. And it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for any of us. There's a tension that we live in as Christians if we're going to uphold both truth and charity. A couple of weeks ago, um, the way the mass schedule kind of kind of shook out, I only had one mass, and it was at a, it was at St. Anthony. And I remember I, I, it was right after the Roe versus Wade leak took place, um, and the news was going around, and, and it was kind of a big deal, and everybody knew about it. Um, and I remember, I, I, I wasn't supposed to, but oh well, I don't listen. Um, I remember there was a point that I, I, I preached on, the, on talking about abortion and talking about what this meant to be pro-life and that pro-life is not just anti-abortion and all kind of other stuff. And I remember after I sat down after the homily, I sat down and that same feeling from when I was at that parish in Thibodeau about 10 years ago, I, that same feeling was on my shoulders again. I said, oh no, there's a weight here because I don't know how much compassion I had when I gave this homily. (laughs) Because in talking about any of this kind of stuff, we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to win a heart. If we win an argument but lose a heart, we're we're, we're no better than what we were before. In fact, we probably have actually done damage. We as Christians are called to live in this tension of truth and charity and that we, we stand for what it is that the church believes and what it is that the church proclaims and what it is that the church holds true through divine revelation from Jesus from the, from, from the, from the magisterium just like we believe what the church believes in a few minutes we're going to stand up and we're going to proclaim everything that we believe I believe in one God the Father Almighty and on and on and on and on right? like we stand in these places of what is true But we never weaponize the truth to beat somebody over the head and to win an argument. Pope Francis, from the first day day that he has been elected Pope, one of the things he has continued to proclaim, continued to say, continued to stress throughout his pontificate is that we go to the corners of society just like Jesus did with mercy and compassion first. Like just think about Jesus, if he would have just been truthful, and the woman ca- that, that was caught in adultery gets thrown into the street, he would have been picking up a rock with everybody else, ready to stone her. But instead, he meets her with mercy, with compassion, and picks her up, sending everyone else away. If Jesus, from the standpoint of it, would have just been justice and just been truthful and that would have been it with no compassion we don't have the gospel of Matthew today. Because Matthew was a tax collector and he was an outsider and he was an outcast and he was a cheat and he was a terrible person and he was a, he was a bad person he was, the, he was a, a crooked IRS agent. But if Jesus doesn't look at him and love him and invite him in to relationship with him, it's just truth with no charity, it would have been deformed. The two rely on one another. And we as Christians are called to, to live in the tension of truth and charity. Anytime we say that we're loving someone. Now I know every one of us has people in our families Every one of us might find ourselves in a situation that, man, Father, like this is a hard situation. It might be divorce. It might be something to do with abortion. It might be some some kind of some kind of other question that we have today that's hitting the front, that's hitting the, the headlines and the news. That's fine, but in all cases, the guiding principle for us is that we live in this tension of truth and charity. Like, if somebody comes to us with something, our first reading today gives us a great example of how we're called to walk with somebody. Our first reading, and if you don't know the context, let's break it down a little bit real quick. Uh, Acts 15, what's going on is that there were a group of people, they have all these new Christians, right? And there were a group of people that believed that if you're going to be a true Christian, you have to first become a Jew. Now, we might not think, like, oh, that, that seems awkward, but... If you're going to become a Christian, then you have to get circumcised, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to follow all of these kind of, all of these dietary restrictions and dietary laws. Before you can be a Christian, you have to become first a Jew. And the apostles got together in what's called the Council of Jerusalem. This is the first council that the church has ever had. And it got into a time of discernment, a time of praying, a time of just being together and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. And what came out was, is that you do not have to first be a Jew to be a Christian. Praise God. And that was the decision that was made, and that's what was brought out to the people. Well, there were some groups that were hesitant in receiving that message. There were some groups that were having a problem with the church's teaching on if you had to become a Jew before becoming a Christian. I know that, that it, it seems out there that we would have some people that would claim to be Catholic, but that would have the church's teaching uh, have a problem with church's teaching on fill in the blank. But what the apostles did was, is they didn't just leave the people hanging. What they did was, is they said, we're going to send you two of our representatives because you've heard the news, you've read it, but now we're going to send two of our representatives to come with you so that they can answer your questions, so that they can walk with you, so that they can not only know, know, give you the truth, but can love you in it. This is how you and I are called to live. That we don't just proclaim the truth and weaponize it, but that we love people in it. That in every element, in every aspect, we approach it with mercy and compassion on the person. While still upholding the truth of our faith. The truth that God has continued to reveal to us. And one of the things, um, I questioned if I was gonna mention this this week, um, but I think it fits. One of the places that I saw this this past week, um, you may or may not have seen um, that the Archbishop of San Francisco, which is the home diocese of Nancy Pelosi, um, came out with a statement that basically said, after all of these efforts of trying to speak to her, after all, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, um, is a Catholic, has, has said that she's Catholic, also has followed the most extreme abortion agenda that probably has ever existed in our country's history. Um, they, the, the, the Archbishop has said, we have, we have done different initiatives to try and pray. I have reached out repeatedly, and she has openly mocked not only me, but the Holy Father. And it's in a, it's in a very, very well-articulated letter And he says, at the end of it, he says, and the conclusion is, is that from this time on, she's not to be admitted to Holy Communion. Which is a powerful, truthful statement. And that's that's impressive, that, that somebody would take that bold of a statement, knowing that there's going to be blowback on that. But I will say, it's not about the letter. If you want to read it, we can talk about it. That's fine. Um, but it's more important is I remember seeing this past week when that started to make its rounds on social media a lot of Catholics that were celebrating it and that's evil that's truth without compassion we never celebrate at someone being removed from communion But instead, it should make us double down on our prayer and evangelization to that person. We never celebrate someone being, quote, unquote, punished, or someone removing themselves from good standing with the church. But instead, it should make us all the more extend compassion and mercy to that person as well. The way that a Christian is meant to live is in the tension of truth and charity. And if we ever abandon one, we deform love. Love requires both. So may today, as we come to this Mass today as we come to receive our Lord, a Lord who stood in between good of, of truth and and, and and charity, and it cost him his life. If it cost him his life, it, it's probably gonna hurt a little bit on us. It's uncomfortable. That's okay. But may today we we be willing to stand in that gap, to be in that tension and communicate true love, truthfully and charitably, to the world around us.